This podcast is brought to you by Dingle Mount Church. It will open up God's Word to you, inspire you to love God, and grow in the knowledge of Him, and challenge you to live a victorious Christian life. Be blessed as you listen. Bible says that so mightily grew the word of God and it prevailed. So it tells us that the word of God have got power to prevail over every and all things that we may ever face. And we thank God for, for that. Uh, scripture reading this morning will be from the book of Second Timothy chapter 2. Uh, still going back to our lesson that we've been looking at. The image of a soldier that the Bible presents to us as Christians. Second uh, uh, Timothy chapter 2. And uh, we'll be reading still from verse 1, the same verses, but we are looking at different things. If you remember where we started, we looked at how we got enlisted as soldiers. And we've looked at other things as well. And um, this morning, uh, we'll be looking at our encouragement as soldiers and we're going to know why that's important. So Second Timothy 2 from verse 1, he says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's where we looked at our enablement and we saw that was the grace of God. We are nothing in ourselves. And verse 2 says, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then verse 4, we looked at that, I think, last Sunday. The soldier's entanglement, and we saw what it means for us. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life in order that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And we pray, Lord, that you would open up the scriptures once again to our hearts and bless us even as we uh, wage our war and go through all the battles and challenges and the things that come our way. Lord, we pray that we truly will be encouraged in our hearts even in the coming days and months ahead of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning we'll be uh, still carrying on on the series of lessons that we'll be looking at, but we're going to be looking at the soldier's encouragement and it's something I think is very important if we consider it the soldier's encouragement. Uh, I'm sure that for those who listen to the news and um, you know what's going on, not just in the country, in other parts of the world, especially with soldiers, how we hear stories of soldiers being very demoralized. And for some of them, they complain about not having enough either weapons to fight with, or some of them feel abandoned, or maybe the state has failed them. Or some of them, after they've come back from warfare, some of them feel there is nothing really to integrate them back into community. So those are the kind of stories you hear when we talk about soldiers and, and um, how discouraged some of them may even be. And I think I remember once there was a, an investigation into the kind of armored cars they had on the battlefield and how good and protected the soldiers were in the battlefield. So in real life, soldiers can get discouraged, and we've had stories about that, how some were so discouraged, they actually felt like quitting. They didn't want to be a part of the military anymore. And uh, as we think about that in the natural, we also can think about that in the realm of the spirit. 
Because the reality for us as Christians is that the Christian life is not easy at all. If anyone tells you that Christianity or the Christian life is a very easy life where once you give your heart to Christ, everything becomes rosy, all your problems are solved, even before you call on God, the problems and the blessings are raining down from heaven, then you may have to go back to the scriptures and examine this subject once again. Yes, we know the Christian life is a vibrant, beautiful, wonderful life that is so full of joy that only comes from God. But at the same time, it is not an easy life at all. There are and there will be battles to face. And we know that our enemy is extremely powerful and subtle. And when I say that, I say because of what I see in the scriptures. And when we talk about the enemy being powerful, um, one of the greatest mistakes anyone can make in warfare or in battle is to underestimate, underrate the opponent, the person that you're coming up against. And even Jesus acknowledged that in one of his stories, or in one of his parables, where he did say that if you're going on a battle, he said you have to check, and you, you have what it takes to actually win. It starts, first of all, with building a house. Who starts building without checking, counting the cost, if he's got enough to finish what he's about to start? And then he gave us that uh, picture again of the soldier who is going and not having enough army or military to go with, and then halfway... He's calling for peace midway. And that tells us that we need to understand who we are in battle with. And that's why I said that our enemy is extremely powerful and subtle. He's got devices. He's got means. He's got things that he can use against the Christian. And if we're not aware of these things, that's when the discouragement we're talking about comes in. And so you may be dedicated in your work with God. And you may be feeling so discouraged. You may have been serving God all your life. Maybe you've given your heart to the Lord for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. But a time comes when as a Christian soldier, you're going through this period of discouragement. Despite the promises of God that you have in Scripture. And when you look at the promises of God that we have in Scripture, the Bible tells us, remember Jesus saying to us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The promise is there for us. But there will be times when we feel like he's not there with us, or he's not there for us. And then people, we soldiers, feel a bit discouraged. Like the soldiers in the natural, we begin to feel that we haven't been given all that we need. Or maybe that the battle is getting too strong for us. Or maybe we call on him, and the answers haven't come. And it's like we are left alone on the front line with bullets and all that coming from all angles. And we are highly Exposed, So we can feel discouraged. There are moments of discouragement. If you look at the Bible, there have been people, great men of God, that God has used in time past. And they went through these periods of discouragement. We know Elijah. Elijah, who was a man, the Bible tells us, of like passion. He cried unto God. He called fire from heaven. But a time came when Elijah ran away and hid himself in a cave. And he was saying, and God came calling. And he said, oh, Jezebel, the wicked woman, is looking for him to take his head off. He was so discouraged, he even despaired of life and asked God questions while he was in that situation. So not only him, Moses, another great example, got to a point where he felt he didn't want to lead anymore. Remember, he was always been in the front, leading the people into the promised land. But a time came when he looked at God and he asked God, he said, did I give birth to all these people? And he started asking questions. And that is what happens 
when a soldier, those who stand for the truth, stand for God, as you walk along the journey, you come up against discouragement. And I think that the reason why Paul was writing as well to Timothy, not just telling him to be strong in the grace of God, but for him to avoid being discouraged. If you read from verses 5 onwards, you see other imageries, but we are not going to go into that, where he uses the imagery of an athlete, you know, people who run, and a farmer. These are people who can easily get discouraged. You know, you go to the farm, you've worked so hard, you put in out, you've done everything you can, and then, time for harvest, there's nothing to show for your harvest. Or maybe you're in a race and something happens. You get tripped and you fall. You couldn't get to the finish line. And these are the images. These are the things that Paul is showing us that we need to be strong. We need to carry on. We need to be encouraged as soldiers in, in the Lord. But as we have it in the natural, that soldiers sometimes get encouraged either with incentives, with better equipment. There are things the government and those who look after them do for them. To encourage them in the battle or in warfare. So also as Christians, God is there to encourage us. But the question then for us is what kind of encouragement do we have from the Lord? Because if I know the kind of encouragement that God gives me or that I have received from the Lord, then it makes it easy for me in my battle, in my walk. So when discouragement comes, I can turn and look at the provision, what God has said or what provision he's made for me. As I go through those battles and those trying times. And the great news is this. That the greatest encouragement that God has provided for us. Is that Jesus Christ has already won the fight. And we need only to follow him by faith. And you might be wondering how is that an encouragement. And I'll tell us why this morning. It's a great encouragement. To know that the battle we are involved in as soldiers. That Jesus Christ has already won the fight and all he's saying to us is to follow him by faith I want you to look at it this way in the natural if you are a soldier or in the military and you're going on a battle on a war and then you all called or someone together and said well we've looked at the capabilities of the enemy and we've already disarmed and this is what we've done maybe with our computerized system or with this technology and this is all that we've done and the enemy actually doesn't know it He's already been defeated even before you guys set out in battle. Now, what will that information do to you as a soldier? How would you feel in your heart knowing that you're going now to a battle, but the battle has already been won? That actually all you're going to do is to stand your ground, claim the territory, and reinforce the victory of the sovereign state that has sent you there. It comes as a great encouragement. You go into battle with your chest and your head lifted high. You go into battle knowing that truly you're going to come back victorious. And that's why I said it changes everything. And that is the encouragement that God gives us as soldiers. That he, Jesus Christ, has already won the battle for us. And all he's saying to us is that I want you to just follow me by faith. Remember when God said to Moses, that Egyptians you see today, you shall see them no more. And he was telling the people, be still today, for the battle is not yours, but the battle is the Lord's. So if God looks at me and says to me, the battle is not yours, but mine, does that change anything in my mindset? Does that change my attitude, how I respond to the things that I see before me? And that's why I said it is a great encouragement for us 
as soldiers. So when Paul was writing to Timothy and saying to him, be strong in the grace of God that he is in Christ Jesus, it's like saying to him, there is something in Christ Jesus. There is something that he has done for you as a Christian soldier, as a pastor, as a deacon, as an elder, as someone who is going to come up against some difficult challenges. Jesus Christ, through the grace of God, God's riches at Christ's expense, has won the ultimate victory. And all he's saying to you is go out there confident and reinforce that victory wherever you find yourself. And so that tells me something. That as a Christian, I am not fighting for victory. But rather, I am fighting from victory. And those are two great, there's a great massive difference from that. Because some Christians look at it and when they see these scriptures that talk about fighting and battle and warfare, you know, they come up with this, it's like they have this concept, what is called dualism in their mind. It's like the devil and God are constantly in a battle and trying to find out who is going to be the victor. But that's not the picture the Bible paints of God, that, the God that we serve. The, pic, the picture we have is of a conquering king. The one who has overcome all. The one who has destroyed death and the grave. The one who now has given us all it takes to do what he's called us to do. And so he's saying to us, you're not fighting for victory. As you're going out there, understand who you are. That you have already been declared not just righteous, but you are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And I was thinking about that imagery, who is more than a conqueror, and until I come across this illustration of a boxer who went into the ring, and through the fight, he fought with his opponent, and he was bruised and battered, and all that happened in the ring, and at the end of it, he came out victorious. And during his victory speech, they asked him, I said, so who will you dedicate this victory to? And what he did with his bloodied face and all that, he took the, the, the belt, and came out of the ring and walked straight to his wife and handed the belt over to his wife. Now, this is what I call more than a conqueror. That woman is more than a conqueror. She never fought a single fight. All she did was sat, cheered him, supported him, but someone had fought. And he says, you have the belt. And that's what Jesus actually has done for us. I didn't have to go to the cross. I didn't have to confront the devil head on. There was nothing that I did to deserve the things that he's given me. And all he's saying to me is that you have the victory. Now, if I know that spiritual truth, that I'm no longer fighting for victory, when I see challenges ahead of me, when I see the battle raging, I'm not going into it crying and screaming unto God, Oh Lord, give me the, the victory. That's not what I'm doing. All I'm doing is, Lord, I know by faith you have already given me the victory. And because you are giving me the victory, I am going in to possess and to take what belongs to me. I don't know how many of us, if you read the Old Testament carefully, the Israelites as they journeyed on their faith, Moses, Joshua, Gideon, every single one of them, before they took over a land, there is a, a, a statement that always comes in the Bible. I don't know how many of us have noticed that. The Bible will always say, See, I have given the land to you. Now, but they haven't even set off for battle. But that is God showing them something, and which is a spiritual reality, even in the New Testament. That if the Christian can see that something had already been given, the land had already been given. The same thing with Jericho. Before they set out, with all the walls, and as high as the walls of Jericho were, God said to them, See, I have given. 
See with what eyes? You see, with the eyes of the natural. That's not what we see with. Because when you see with the eyes of the natural, what you see is the enemy. What you see are the weapons of the enemy. What you see are the walls of Jericho and how strong and thick and massive it is. How impenetrable that wall is. But when you see with the eyes of faith, you're seeing the promises of God. You're seeing what God says about you. You're seeing who truly you are in Christ Jesus. A soldier that cannot be defeated. Though you may be knocked down, but he says seven times a righteous man may fall, but he will come back up again. And so when you see with the eyes of faith, it tells you then that the battle is not yours, but the battle is the Lord's. That you're going on with the find the banner of the Lord that says the Lord is my victory. And that is what we are saying this morning. If you go to the book of Second Corinthians chapter 2, I'll show you a scripture in Second Corinthians. Because in Second Corinthians, Paul said something and it reinforces the truth that I'm sharing with us this morning. Look at Second Corinthians chapter 2 and I will show, read just a verse of scripture to you. Second Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. Because in verse 14, even in our church Bibles, it's titled Triumph. In Christ. And look at verse 14, what he says. And I love the way Paul puts it. He says, Now, thanks be to God, who always, you see what he does? Not sometimes, because that's how some Christians see it. Maybe sometimes, you know, God is there. You, but who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance. Of his knowledge in every place. Now how wonderful that scripture is. Now thanks be to God. And this is the words of a man who had gone through a lot. Who sometimes were left for death as a Christian soldier. Who sometimes his words were not even received and accepted. But as Paul went on in the battle. He knew what Christ had accomplished on his behalf. He knew that whatever that he was going through. He was not fighting for victory. But he was fighting from the perspective of victory. And that's why he can look up to God and say, Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us, see what happens to us? The fragrance of his knowledge goes out, he says, into every place. When you see that word, the triumph there, is very instructive. Because when Paul was writing to the Corinthians and saying that God always leads us in triumph, the people he was writing to understood what it meant. The picture of triumph, what they call a triumphal kind of procession. And I had to do a little study just to see what exactly is Paul talking about there. Because reading it, just casually there, leads us always in triumph. And you wonder, does it mean we are victorious? And what exactly is he talking about? But actually, what Paul had in mind here is the picture of a Roman triumph. When a general, a conquering general, has gone to battle... And he's been welcomed home, already qualified as a general. But then look at the details of what goes on in a Roman triumph. And this is very insightful. He says, to begin with, he must have won a complete victory on foreign soil, with at least 5,000 enemy soldiers killed. So the general coming home, or whoever he is, he must have won a victory on foreign soil, so you don't just say that you're going through a triumph and you've not even won any victory. He says on foreign soil with at least 5,000 soldiers slain. 
And not only that, that victory will also result in new territory being gained for the Roman Empire. And then treasures being brought home. So you can see what's happening. When you see that man walking in that triumph, as you're looking at him, you're seeing someone who has conquered territories, not only conquered territories, but slain the enemy, not only someone who has slain the enemy, but someone who has gained a new, who has gained a new territory for the Roman Empire. And then treasures are coming home with him. Not only that, they go through what they call a traditional route as they are traveling with the hero or the general riding in a special chariot. And then his soldiers and officers will stand near him to share in the glory. So he is not the only one sharing in the glory. All he's saying is, yes, I have accomplished this. But then look at my soldiers. Look at those who are with me. They also deserve whatever accolade or praise that I'm getting. And so as they are walking in that special chariot, the soldiers, the officers near him, the same praise he is getting, they also are getting the same praise. But that's not the end of it. Now, the spoils of war or of battle will also be on display, the things that he's brought home with him. And this will be carried by slaves as they are going, or by the soldiers in those chariots. So if you look at that picture, elaborate picture, you see what is going on as that man is going and that procession or the triumphal procession is happening. But the last bit is very insightful and this is where Paul, if you remember the scripture we read where he says there that the fragrance of his knowledge is diffused, it says in every place. And you wonder why is Paul getting that fragrance and all that going out and, and this is the interesting bit. And then there will be priests as well, the priests will be there. And what the priests will do is that they will carry censers with them as part of the procession. And as they are going with the censers, they are spreading, the incense goes out as they are walking. So you're not just talking about the general, you're not talking about what is accomplished, you're not just talking about the soldiers who are sharing in the glory with him, you're not talking about the treasure and the things that he's brought home with him, but the priest also walk with him. And the incense as they are walking, people can smell the incense. But you know one thing that is very significant about the incense and that procession? For the enemy, as they smell the incense, they know what it means for them. Or the captives, they means this is the smell of death. Because at the end of the procession, the captives, or those that have captured, will then be thrown into the Colosseum, or whatever it's called, where they'll have to fight for their lives with the lions. And of course, we know that what that means. Death for the captives. But the incense for the general, for those who have triumphed, that is the smell of victory. As people around them smell it, it is the smell of victory. The smell of the knowledge that our general truly has conquered. And he's come back home victorious. And so when Paul picks on that imagery, you can see how that relates to Jesus Christ, our Savior, who has won the complete victory for us in a foreign land. And where is that? The land is our world. Because he left heaven, came here to earth, defeated the death and the grave, in a land, in a place where, as the Bible tells us, he had to condescend himself, came down low to our level, and obtained that ultimate victory. And then returned to heaven. And in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm just going to show us in Ephesians chapter 4. There you see. It's like a triumphal procession. In the book of Ephesians. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. 
And we are going to see a wonderful verse of scripture in Ephesians chapter 4. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 and um, verse 8. Ephesians 4 verse 8. He says, therefore, he says, when he ascended, you see what's going on here? Ascended on high. What did he do? He led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And that is what we see in the scripture. Not only did he defeat death and the grave, but he ascended. Because in every procession, that's what's happening. It's like they're ascending, they're going, and then something is going to happen. And that's what Jesus Christ was doing. If you look at also Colossians chapter 2, you see another verse of scripture in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15. What Jesus Christ also did, and Paul also using that word triumph. Look at verse 15, Colossians 2.15. He said, having disarmed principalities and powers he made a public spectacle of them and look at that word again triumphing over them in it so when you see that word triumphing that is the picture that Paul has got in mind he disarmed in the same way the general goes on a foreign ground disarms the enemy takes the slaves and the captives and brings them home and goes on that procession public spectacle for all to see this is what I have accomplished this is what I've done. Look at the soldiers. They all share with me in that glory. That is what Jesus Christ has accomplished for us. Not just through his death, resurrection, but then the Bible says he gave gifts to men. So for us as Christians, is a powerful imagery. Because we smell the incense of life and victory as we walk with Jesus Christ. In the same way as a general walks, People can smell the incense. For the enemies, the incense of death. But for those who share in the glory, it is the incense of victory and of life. And that tells me that for, for me as a soldier or as a Christian, there's no reason for me to feel defeated. There's no reason for me to even act defeated in my work with God. Because I'm part of that train. I'm part of that triumphal procession. As I walk with him, you can imagine, in the natural, if the general is walking and all the soldiers, and they can see all that is going on around him. And then the soldiers with him are cowering, and they can't even lift up their head, and they are still looking left and right in fear. Now you wonder, what is going on? Can't you smell the incense? Can't you see what is going on around you? And sometimes that's how the Spirit of God looks at us. We are in a procession, it's like we're in part of this train, the victory train, I call it. But then the Christian is acting defeated. The Christian is not even sure of who his general is. The Christian is not even aware of what God has accomplished or done for him. And that's the sad thing about not knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. When I read these scriptures, when I think about them, not only does it give me great courage to carry on in the battle, though the battle may rage, Though times may be tough, though you, I may not understand everything that is going on around me, but the only thing I do is to stand on the truth of God's word that tells me that Jesus Christ has won the fight. And a day will come when the Bible says he will put everything under. We know at the moment there are still things and areas where there still it looks like, oh, maybe it's Jesus truly Lord and all of that, but a day will come. Because what we are doing here now is enforcing that victory. But a day will come when he will put an end 
to everything, just like the general, as they are walking in the procession, there's an end. The enemies are going into the lions. They know their faith. And that's the same thing. Remember the Bible tells us our enemy, the devil, like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Because he knows his end is near. And that's why as Christians, we have to be strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. When trouble comes, when trial comes, I don't care what it is, nor how difficult it is, there is a promise in this book for me. There is something that I can look up to. I can look to God and say to him, Lord, thank you for the victory. I am not fighting for victory. People may tell me that, that it's like I'm fighting a losing battle, but I know I'm not. I am fighting from victory. And that tells me that the end is assured for me. Shall we bow our hearts this morning and just thank him for those words? If you have enjoyed listening to this podcast, why not join us in worship at the Dingle Mount Church? Or log on to our website at www.dinglemount.org for more information. Thank you for listening.